All right, good morning, folks. What's up? What's up? Get this audio going here. Got a big show today. Everybody, welcome. Good morning. It is September 19th. It's Monday. More importantly, it's episode 200 of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing brought to you by Simply Cyber. Super pumped, guys. 200 episodes. It's pretty wild, pretty un- unbelievable. I've got some special stuff for you later on in the show. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, you're not going to just break in. You are going to like Kool-Aid man style through the wall into the industry. But before we give you all that ammunition to Kool-Aid man through a wall, shout out and thanks to this stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber Solution and Recon InfoSec. Guys, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damages done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. We're talking tummy troubles, people, but Barricade Cyber Solution knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. And this isn't just for posh businesses either, right? Any business that doesn't have a plan for serious incident response should consider just setting up a call with Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber just to have a conversation about what if, right? Now, also, my man's over at Recon InfoSec, man and women, because we are 21st century people, right? Thank you, Recon InfoSec. Listen, if your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to have a full-fledged SecOps capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response, MDR, offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, the process, the technology, the full stack needed to deliver full spectrum security operations to organizations of any size. Thanks again to both of those wonderful businesses that I am proud to um, say that Simply Cyber is aligned with. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPE, such as CISP, CISA, SISM, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, so two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest, and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. Just say what's up in chat, hashtag team live in chat, hashtag team replay if you're on replay in chat. Tell us where you're from, what you got going on this week, how excited you are, 200 episodes. Whatever it is, you will be burned into the show permanently and forensically sound for posterity and any auditor can come back and see that you were here. Now, I would also advise you to not do half a CPE every single day in your uh, you know, certification management platform. You should do like stack it, right? So like maybe once a month, really, if it was me, I'd do it once a quarter and just say, hey, you know, 40 CPEs, Simply Cyber, January 1st through whatever, March 31st, um, boom, mic drop. And we're done. Hey, Tom Pike, good to see you here. Guys, if you're live, love it. I see so many of you, so many, so many, you know, old friends, new friends, uh, so many people from the Simply Cyber community. I am just blown away. Thank you so much, you all. Uh, hashtag team live if you're here live with us. It's great to see so many. Nick Barker getting up on the West Coast. Uh, Professor Black Ops, Angel Perez. I see you guys. Joel Belton, Kimberly. Carrie, Tom Bishop, so many, so many of you have been here for the for the journey. 
Uh, when I get to the halfway point and do the, the ad read and stuff like that, I've got a special little 200th episode thing. Um, but if you want to just jump to the news, if you're on replay, if this is your first time here, um, you, or you're listening on the audio podcast, uh, you can just jump ahead time-wise because for the next two minutes, I'm going to be having pleasantries, sipping on coffee, talking with my friends here in chat, and then we're going to be able to jump into the news. Guys, real quick too, just a reminder since I'm still launching this new project, if you did not get your three actionable items in your inbox this morning, check your spam filter, make sure that you signed up, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, once a week, every single Monday, I email uh, whoever signs up onto this list three actionable items that they can do immediately to deliver value to their organization. One is for end users, one is for their peers, and one is for executives. And I literally spell it out. It can't be any any more explicit and succinct. It's here's what it is, and here's what you need to do in all bold font. All right. I think it's a wonderful email. If you get value from the email and chat, please holler at me. If you uh, want to sign up, do exclamation point newsletter in chat to get uh, my bots to send you a um, uh, the URL to it. All right, guys, 200 episodes. I can't wait. We got a huge day on the threat gen said uh, this is the week of the red versus blue cyber league. Very excited about that. Oh, thank you so much, Scott Munez. Glad you're loving the newsletter. Hey, Munchkin, glad you're loving that newsletter. Axiom Brevity, good morning to you. Hey, Matthew Dimmick, always nice to see you. Oh, nice. All right, hey, look at this. Paul Williams becoming a member. Thanks, Paul Williams, for joining the squad. Enjoy those emotes. Oh, I'm going to be adding... By the way, I, I forgot to do it before the show started. You know how Mondays are, right? Uh, I'm going to be adding the... Uh, you are so dumb. <laughs> for real, you are dumb. I'm going to be adding that emote and sound bumper to the show. Thanks, Gregor. I'm glad that you love the email. Omatola, good morning to you. Oh, my God. Got the coffee strong this morning, y'all. Hope everybody had a good weekend. I know some of you had to work over over the weekend in socks and stuff like that. Hopefully, you're uh, going to get some time to rest and relax and recharge the batteries. Today, we've got a big one. Oh, Leonardo, I hope you're safe, my friend. I saw... Uh, a radar map picture. I don't know if you're in Puerto Rico or not, but I saw a um, I saw a map that looked like a joke. That like just the eye of the storm, just going towards Puerto Rico. Hey, Jeremy Williams, welcome, welcome. It's good to see you, my friend. Hide your kids. That's right. Oh man. Oh, all right, all right, guys. Let's uh, let's dig into the news. We got a lot to cover and got to stay on our 45 minutes, right? Here we go. From the CISO Hold on. I know the audio is janky. Security headlines. It's Monday, September 19th, 2022. Uber says there is no evidence that users' private information was compromised. Uber has provided an update regarding the recent security breach of its internal computer systems and is stating that, quote, we have no evidence that the incident involved access to sensitive user data like trip history, end quote. All the services provided by the company, including Uber Eats, Freight, and the Uber Driver app remain operational. However, the company has not revealed details about the attack, and several experts believe that it downplayed the incident and has no clear idea about the depth of the intrusion. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you think? Oh my God. Okay, so 
Um, a couple of things that have come out with this hack, right? That have have developed, right? So first of all, when I first heard about this hack, uh, and I don't, this hasn't been confirmed as far as I know, but it's it's being heavily. There's high confidence in this. When I first heard about this hack, uh, in in private DM or like some of these group chats I have with other professionals, the very first thing I said was, "This hacker is so brash. I I have to assume it's a teenager." Like. Guys, if you don't know this, like you'll see it. Lapsus was a, an excellent example. It typically sophisticated threat actors, like adults, whatever criminals, they will be they 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 don't want to get caught, or they they will be kind of um, the brag, but they'll do it for a, a specific purpose, like uh, dropping um, uh, screenshots to prove that they got the data, or dropping you know a few records to show they have the data set, right? Um, teenagers typically are way more brash They're They'll say like, um, oh, like, oh, I got your creds, got your creds or what, you know what I mean? Like, like they'll, they'll rub your face in it. They'll be very uh, like, um, like not high EQ. Basically they don't, they, they don't control their emotions very well. And it, it, like you can see it in like the way the hackers are talking, just the way that they're doing it. Um, boasting and bragging anyway so it seems like it was a lone wolf teenager uh who did this that this is what i'm hearing right now now uber says that there's no evidence now uber is a publicly traded company as far as i know and they i haven't even looked at their stock maybe we pull their stock up in a second or someone in chat pulls it up but listen they had this breach two years ago where they tried to sweep it under their rug and their former chief security officer is being charged with two felonies right now for that decision. Okay. So now there's no public trust as far as I'm concerned in believing what Uber has to say. Now they say that the fact that they're saying no user's private information was compromised. That's a pretty definitive statement. You're saying literally we have no evidence to support users' private information was compromised. If you read between the lines there, what I would read is you don't have any evidence one way or the other. You don't know if it's been breached or not because you don't have anything. You don't know. Like, yeah, we have no evidence of it. Yeah, try to prove a negative, my friend. That's what I'm getting out of the Uber story. If you saw what the hacker got, they had access to everything. They had access to the Google, to the Amazon, to the Slack, to the internal uh, resources. I, I think they got into AD, right? They had access to everything. So the fact that they didn't have access to uh, personal information, private information, I find that to be laughable. Laughable. <laughs> like, I would bet an amount of money that matters to me that they did get access. And I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I'm excited about it. What I'm saying is, given all of the things that Uber had in place and all the things that this guy got his hands on, you really expect me to believe that you took the private information of, of users and you had that all locked up and tightly packaged and, and, and compartmentalized over here? Well, all of your systems, all of your source code, all of the things that actually make you money, Uber, were not properly secured? Come on, man. Get off that. Bump that noise. Are you serious? So anyways, this is obviously developing story. I feel like this is uh, crisis management 101 right here. This is, this is managing a hot, like dumpster fire emote. This is, this is spin as far as I'm concerned, right? They can say it with confidence. There's no evidence that private information was compromised because they don't have any evidence. Okay. Maybe private information wasn't compromised, but
I find it, I find it difficult to believe that that is the case. Plus, um, yeah. Anyways, let's keep it to forty-five minutes. I could, I could just flip out nicely about this one for a longer period of time. LastPass says hackers accessed its systems for just four days. Password management software provider LastPass has announced in an update published last week that the August security incident allowed the attackers to access its systems for, quote, just four days, end quote. LastPass says it hasn't found any evidence that the malicious actors accessed any customer data or encrypted password vaults. This, they stated, is because, first, the LastPass development environment is physically separated from and has no direct connectivity to the production environment. Secondly, the development environment does not contain any customer data or encrypted vaults. And thirdly, LastPass does not have any access to customers' master passwords. They also believe the threat actor utilized their persistent access to impersonate the developer once the developer had successfully authenticated using multi-factor authentication. Okay. I don't know if CISO series did this on purpose today, but the like because of this story, we are able to compare and contrast. LastPass says that end user information, private information was not accessed by the hacker in this LastPass breach. You know what? I believe that. I have high confidence that end user data was not compromised. And as as much of a joke as I just made about Uber compartmentalizing the uh, private data and like that's how they protected it. And, and then I did the laugh track. LastPass, this is legit. Like if you lose your master password, LastPass can't help you. You're screwed. I personally used to use, La well, so like years ago I used LastPass and I forgot my master password and I had to go through all the pain of getting a new LastPass and doing all of that. Like I know for a fact that they can't unlock your stuff. So because of that, when they say, hey, like we have high confidence that your stuff wasn't accessed, I, I believe them. Now, the second thing, I believe that only uh, end user passwords weren't compromised. They definitely have a sales department. They definitely have a marketing department. They definitely have a data science department of some capacity that is definitely looking at uh, conversion rates of potential clients, businesses that they're targeting, markets they're going into. And that probably does have usernames, email addresses, contact information, um, revenue numbers or projections. So that information may have been compromised. So to say no human information was compromised is not entirely true if I had to guess. Uh, the second thing um, that is worth noting is that they run a completely, um, like the way a software company should, they have a full dev environment, a full test environment, a full prod environment, and they roll through them. And it looks like they actually do a good job of compartmentalizing those environments to prevent uh, Carl, 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 to prevent Carl from pushing changes into prod uh, that aren't vetted or some junior engineer or whatever, who's like just trying to like jam something in before the weekend, not thinking that you don't push, you don't push to production on Friday. That's one of the, like the IT 10 commandments that if you, you learn either the easy way because somebody gray uh, tells you or you learn the hard way by doing it. Um, so anyways, long story short, by the way, uh, the, the final thing I'll say, I'm kind of on the fence about this. It says just four days. Guys, do you want like a burglar in your house just for four days? Does that make you feel good? No. Like, come on, man. Four days is still full compromise. Uh, but, but, but. I say that, however, I do want to be fair. We used to go from dwell times, dwell, dwell times being how long a threat actor's in your environment before you discover them. We used to have dwell times north of like 500 days 
right? The Anthem breach. If you ever heard of Anthem, the healthcare company, uh, you know, threat actors, sophisticated threat actors got into Anthem and compromised everything. They were in there for like 200 days, 300 days. So I will say just four days is actually pretty good, but uh, anything above zero is not good. So, you know, kind of, I don't know, you know, choose your own adventure here, guys. They're saying just four days because it used to be wicked bad. Uh, and now it's not so bad. Oh, by the way, one other like bonus tip thing. Security vendors right now will say like, oh, we've we've crushed dwell time from 350 days down to just two days on average. Look at how awesome we are, security company, right? Uh, or, or Or industry. Guys, if any vendor ever throws that noise at you, Tell them you want to see the numbers with ransomware uh, filtered out of the metrics. And they're not going to be able to do it. But my point is, ransomware, bad guys get on your box and immediately they notify you that they're there. And they're counting that towards dwell time, which completely skews the numbers. Because security vendors aren't detecting the threat actors. The threat actors are announcing themselves. And that skews this whole dwell time number that used to be a real metric in our industry. And now it's all screwed up. Netgear routers impacted by Fun JSQ module flaw. <clears throat> Researchers at security and compliance assessment firm OneKey warn of an arbitrary code execution via Fun JSQ, a third-party module developed by Xiamen Zhenwang Network Technology for online game acceleration and which impacts multiple Netgear router models. There are two key issues, one related to an insecure update mechanism being tracked as CVE 2022-40620, the other an unauthenticated command injection flaw tracked as 40619. Combined, these can lead to arbitrary code execution from the WAN interface, reads the analysis published by OneKey. Okay, um, I'm trying to... I'm trying to, like, pick this apart. I mean, obviously, great job uh, by the researchers at this company for discovering these vulnerabilities. Guys, I'll probably never, uh, unless I made a focused effort, I'll probably never have a CVE associated with me. But in cybersecurity, like it's on my bucket list of like life goals. Having a CVE is awesome. It is awesome to have a CVE. It means that you discovered a vulnerability that had never been discovered before. And you were able to, you know, hopefully responsibly disclose it to the vendor, get it fixed. Maybe, you know, you're doing like, you're doing good work for the community, right? People are able to patch their stuff. No one's getting taken advantage of. Um, this one, I, you know, I don't really get it too much. I mean, it sounds like you can compromise this router and then run arbitrary code, but it's not, it's not super obvious uh, how to do it. You might have to chain a couple things together. The TLDR here is uh, typically Netgear is for like residential use or small business, like small, small business. Um, you don't typically see Netgear in commercial enterprise environments. So if you're running um, either these Netgear devices, the R series, it looks like, which probably stands for residential, by the way, uh, or these Orbi Wi-Fi systems, uh, you may want to just patch um, I mean, it sounds like an obscure kind of bug, this fun JSQ, which is a third party, uh, you know, plug-in type thing that helps with gaming. Um, so patch your stuff. This is kind of a, you know, whatever. It does, although I will say this, this does, uh, this is a great example. You might want to bookmark this. This is a great example of kind of supply chain concerns, right? So you have these Netgear routers. It's not a bug with Netgear. It's a bug with this third-party plugin that the Netgear router leverages. So nobody at Netgear made this mistake. Nobody at Netgear um, 
you know, caused any issues. It's it's this plugin. So somebody at Netgear decided to use the plugin instead of developing their own, which happens all the time in software development. Um, you're taking on that code base's responsibilities and risk and all and all that. So um, obviously Netgear patched some kind of workaround on it, but really the third party plugin should be fixed, but it's probably some open source software package and you can't really demand anyone fix it because they're volunteers typically. Phone thefts reveal significant to FA Thanks, Elizabeth flaw. Perry. A rash of thefts at UK gyms and health clubs is revealing a key flaw in how iPhone customers keep their bank accounts and money safe. The theft in and around London involved an individual stealing phones and bank cards from gym lockers. Scumbag. Once they have the phones and the cards, the thief registers the bank card on the relevant bank's app using their own phone or computer. Since it is the first time that the card will have been used on this new device, a one-off security passcode is demanded. That verification passcode is sent by the bank to the victim's stolen phone, which then flashes up on its locked screen, allowing the thief to enter it into their own device. Once accepted, the thief gets full control of the bank account. Experts are recommending that gym goers never leave their valuables in their locker and consider disabling the show notifications yeah. option on their phones. Okay, so yes, this is this is all true. First of all, if we could collectively find this individual and then half of us hold him down while the other half, um, you know, slap him around or whatever. I don't I don't want to be super um, abusive or anything like that. But, dude, you're going in people's lockers and stealing their phones and their wallets like, oh, you suck. Like you suck. Like, oh. But but by the way, you probably should use a lock when you go to the gym. But man, I like people suck. So, anyways, this actually is kind of a clever attack. Threat actor basically gets your wall, gets your credit card, gets your phone, and then they register their phone as a new device on your bank account, and it sends a verification to your existing phone, uh, which you know the threat actor now has, and then they could put your wallet and your phone back into your locker. And they now have a device that also is able to access your bank account. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, what is what a scumbag. So, anyways, the the advice that they say here is twofold. One, don't leave your stuff laying around. That's obviously a best practice. And two, um, this one is this is one of those blends between like usability and security, and you have to make the decision for yourself. But it is worth um, making people aware of it. Basically. If your phone has notifications, text messages sent to a lock screen, which many of us do, I do, right? Um, look, like, oh, here's a calendar invite for daily cyber threat briefing, right? I mean, it's not a text message, but you get it. Um, it'll pop up a, a multi-factor code, right? Or a one-time password. And that's what, the, that's what the criminal is doing. So if the phone is locked uh, and you don't have that notification show up, then the threat actor can't execute the full attack. Um, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it, it sucks. It sucks. But that's that's how you would uh, protect against that. Obviously, keep your eyes open for fraudulent charges on your bank account. Uh, obviously, um, you know, lock your valuables up, you know, uh, whatever. I it just the, the, like I like, come on, humanity. Like, what what are we doing here? All right, let's do the read. And now, thanks to today's episode sponsor. Six Clicks. Six Clicks has pioneered a unique hub and spoke architecture to underpin its AI powered GRC solution and cater to markets requiring scalable, multi tenanted GRC. 
This model enables organizations to deploy multiple autonomous GRC entities connected to a single hub for roll-up reporting, management, and visibility. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. That's the number six, C-L-I-C-K-S dot com slash CISO series. All right, let's do our little read here really quickly. Let's do our read, guys. 200 episodes. I don't normally do this, so if you're new here, this is a this is we do this every 200 episodes, I suppose. Guys, I want to thank all of you. Just spend a quick second sharing a couple things about the last 200 episodes, really quick. Okay, so please bear with me again if you're here just for the news. Um, you know, jump ahead. Okay, guys, I just want to take you on a little a little uh, a journey. Right, this is the original. Uh, promo card for for the daily cyber threat brief and if you're really og it was called first things first and then someone was like what does that even mean and i was like i should be more descriptive daily cyber threat briefing because that's exactly what it is uh you can see december 6 2021 was the first day we did it uh for those uh 40 people that showed up that day thank you so much obviously we evolved a little bit uh the play the promo card started changing we kept first things first my big head got a little bigger and then uh, it is what it is today, right? This guy right here. Got some sponsors. Barricade Cyber came on about six months ago. Appreciate that, Eric Taylor. Recon InfoSec just coming on recently. We covered some huge stories, guys. Huge stories. Ukraine, cyber war. Uh, we talked quite a bit about that. That happened. Log4j. Guys, Log4j dropped on December 17th or 7th. I started first things first on December 6th. So, like, literally, hot right out the gate. Percy! Right? Right out the gate, the internet was on fire. This is fine. Emote would be appropriate here. Uh, we've done the show from multiple different locations. Here I am in Las Vegas. Many of you were here. We watched the sunrise together. I got up at 5 a.m. to uh, feel the burn of my West Coast uh, people. Did it at my in-law's house, right? We remember this. I had the lights, the dogs in the background. Team... Uh, Team Replay got represented up in there. And then obviously the studio, the studio where we're, where we're rolling right now. We've had some great guest hosts over the time. Ms. Jack Scott was a guest host. Appreciate her. She did great work. Josh Mason. I don't know if you guys know, my man Josh Mason has guest hosted the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. And of course, all of you know my man, Barricade Cyber's own CEO and regular guest host, Eric Taylor, bringing the heat when I, um, when, I, when I need help, and I, I genuinely appreciate all three of these individuals bringing it uh, to keep the show going. Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is much bigger than me, y'all. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's bigger than me. So anyways, also we've got uh, Grayson Joke of the Day and Worldwide Wednesday. We've got a couple of things. We've got Carl. Carl! Right? So much has evolved, and uh, we're always just picking the best of and continuing to move forward with each of those. I just wanted to show you some metrics too. This is the first episode. We had 248 views. This is lifetime since I put this on on December 6th. And then this is just last week. Uh, so just a couple days ago, we had 600 views. So this is lifetime and this is just a few days old. So you can see, I mean, it's nearly tripled in uh, viewership. You guys know it. You're here every day uh, bringing, bringing the knowledge, bringing the community, bringing the inclusion, sharing with each other, building each other up. And uh, yeah, let's do 200 more uh, episodes, guys. And let's keep pushing it.
I'm like getting emotional here. It's so, I'm really, really proud of it. All right, let's roll. Google and Microsoft can get your passwords via web browsers spellcheck. Thank you, everybody. Extended spellcheck features in Google Chrome and Microsoft Edge web browsers transmit form data, including PII, and in some cases, passwords to Google and Microsoft, respectively. This occurs with Chrome's enhanced spellcheck or Microsoft Editor when manually enabled by the user. Josh Summit, co-founder and CTO of JavaScript security firm Auto-JS, suggests this is or should be of significant concern for companies. In a demonstration, he showed how, with enhanced spellcheck enabled and assuming the user tapped Show Password, form fields including username and password are transmitted to Google at googleapis.com. Yeah. Think about it, guys. <laughs> okay, think about it for a hot minute, y'all. Think about it for a hot minute. And my apologies for this thing getting cut off. I, my, I don't know what's up with my um, overlay here or whatever. But anyways, guys, anytime you type in your password into a form field, right? You're typing it in. If you're running, and I mean no disrespect, no judgment. But if you're running something like Grammarly, right? Which is well-known. If you're typing something in and it's immediately telling you, oh, like it could be cleaned up or your password's not strong, that means that it knows what you have typed. You're literally, it's, it's like literally a keystroke logger. That's what it is. It's a keystroke logger. This is what threat actors and criminals use all the time to steal your passwords. Keystroke logging. It's writing down what you're typing and then sending it off to a server controlled by the other party in this case big tech but it might as well be a c2 infrastructure controlled by an advanced persistent threat actor because you're typing in your password now they say hey we're not we're not stealing your password we're not stealing your creds and all that but again guys come on like first of all that's very righteous of you but at the end of the day it's still there you know it just takes one bad actor to insider threat it or get access to um, the databases and stuff like that. Ripley, hey, Ripley, stop. So you gotta be mindful of that, guys. Any plugin that you have, any app you have that is like looking at your password, you've got to be mindful of. By the way, obviously best practices, <laughs> don't reuse passwords, good password strength, multi-factor authentication, et cetera. So these are all the things at the end of the day, guys, uh, I, I, I don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat kind of guy, but like we in the United States have like cap capitalism surveillance right now, right? Like big tech knows a lot of stuff about us and what we're typing and where we are. And, you know, passwords, again, we assume righteous intention. They're trying to help us have stronger passwords. But at the end of the day, it's a keystroke logger. <laughs> that's what it is and we don't like those in our environment right Cybersecurity startup launches mobile app to protect against phishing attacks why is it like that Cybersecurity startup novo shield has launched an enterprise grade mobile security application designed to protect users from mobile phishing threats Released this week for iPhones via the U.S. and Israeli Apple App Stores, NovaShield's namesake app detects malicious websites in real time and blocks users from accessing them 
Research from PurpleSec has found that mobile phishing attacks have grown at a consistent rate of 85% annually since 2011, with 75% of the phishing sites analyzed by PurpleSec in 2021 specifically targeting mobile devices. Yeah. Okay, this is really cool. Um, I'm trying to... I was I was screwing with my overlay, unfortunately, so, of course, like I missed half the story, but... Uh, do, do, do. The app runs in the background. The app never stores browsing activity, shares data with third parties. These are all good things that people care about. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I'll tell you this, okay? And I say, I've said this on the, on the show many times. First of all, it's not, it's not a universal truth, but Israeli-based cybersecurity companies are typically awesome, okay? Like... If, if you don't have any information other than the company is the Israeli-based cybersecurity company, that enough is enough to be like, okay, like, let's check it out, all right? There are a couple of crap companies, cybersecurity, cybersecurity companies out of Israel, but by and large, most of them are awesome, right? So that's a great, that's a great sign right off the rip, okay? This, this company, right? Now, this is a little bit of an ad uh, for this product, I suppose, but... Um, Mobile, right right now, guys, like, you've got to remember that, you know, like, I have to think of this when I'm developing, like, my website or um, the online course, uh, the GRC course, or even, even this right here, this show. Most people nowadays, like, a higher, a majority percentage, like, 80% plus, consume content on their mobile phone, right? They're accessing the internet on their phone. So, <clears throat> this device has become the main area for threat actors to want to target uh you know because basically there's a high usability a high use uh hit rate on the mobile device so if you're using it if you could develop a solution thanks P peter uh if you can develop a, a a tool that helps um consumers protect themselves while they're on their mobile phone why not and that's what this thing sounds like plus it's not a vpn which is really cool because uh, vpns now you're you're controlling your you know your bandwidth can be uh screwed up and where you're coming out it could screw up your like uh local region like a million other things or, or i mean you 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 can daisy chain vpns but you typically don't so like if you have a corporate vpn you wouldn't be able to get on this guy's vpn anyways this is a background app it's interesting that it runs for ios not android um i think that that's really cool and savvy uh you know obviously different market uh most people in the united states run iphone um internationally android has a much much higher adoption rate uh but anyways cool product targeting um mobile devices which i think is really the uh a, a huge area to uh help secure vulnerabilities found in airplane wi-fi devices passengers data exposed the flaws were discovered by researchers at Necrom Security Labs and affect the FlexLAN FX3000 and FX2000 series wireless LAN devices made by Contec. After performing reverse engineering of the firmware, we discovered that a hidden page not listed in the wireless LAN manager interface allows to execute Linux commands on the device with root privileges, they wrote in an advisory, referring to the vulnerability track now as CVE 2022-36158. Hive ransom. Okay, so check this out. Um, it's a little, uh, I don't want to call it salacious, but this is like newsworthy because it's airplane Wi-Fi, right? Um, 
I don't understand how the passenger's data is exposed, but th that's not really what I'm interested in uh, specifically on this one. This one right here, and I had to let the dogs out, so I missed part of it, but this one right here is really interesting because obviously, guys, if you're on an airplane and you're hopping on the GoGo in-flight or, or the Delta in-flight or whatever in-flight, there has to be a router on the plane, right? Like it, there has to be network management. You're everybody sitting in their little cramped tight seats are endpoints and all the endpoints need to get on a network. They all have to have IP addresses. So something's got to do DHCP. Something's got to manage the traffic. That's what a router does. So obviously there's a router on the, the system. Now these guys took that router and reverse engineered the firmware. So they're not like sitting on a plane, like, you know, passenger 57. They're like, Oh, like I got to, you know, route through Friendster or something like that. Right. So they have the thing in a controlled lab and they reverse it. Now, what I really want to tell you here is something that you don't see all the time, but it's an opportunity to educate your R&D people. These individuals found a hidden web page that was not accessible through the front end clicking around, right? This is not uncommon. This is called security through obscurity, okay? People will, like developers or whatever will say, oh, don't worry about this. There's no way to get there from the front. Like there's no button to click. They, people can't get there. They won't know about it. It's hidden. It's fine. We don't need to worry about it. It's just there for us to be able to go to because it makes managing the device easier. This is called security through obscurity. They're, not, they're obscuring it and that's their, that's their defense. They're not putting any type of creds in front of that portal. They're not putting any type of like IP whitelisting or MAC address uh, whitelisting or something like that where only certain devices can access it. No, if anybody types in the URL browser uh, address bar, the right page, they go to this hidden page that has total control over the whole device right? Including being able to open Telnet, which is wildly insecure, full access to the device. It's a Linux box, essentially, and you can run all the Linux commands. I didn't hear whether or not they said that you it, it logs in as root or not, uh, but it probably is running under elevated privileges. So the TLDR um, here is be mindful. Security through obscurity does not work. And don't think that you're the clever one who figured it out. Uh, that no one's going to find it, right? It happens all the time. So be mindful of that. And maybe you could use this story as an example if some research person or dev person is pushing back saying, that's ridiculous. No one's going to find my, you know, my webpage has like a, 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 a garbled text generated name. So it's not like, you know, slash hidden directory is the name of the file. It's like, slash like blah 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 like no one's gonna find it jerry so get up out my face and i'm like really no one's gonna find it check this out where security researchers reverse engineered the firmware and found the hidden stuff so why don't you get up out my face and go fix this my friend where claims cyber attack on bell canada subsidiary the hive ransomware gang is claiming responsibility for an attack that hit the systems of a subsidiary of canadian telecom giant bell canada the subsidiary, Bell Technical Solutions, BTS, specializes in installing Bell services for residential and small business customers across Ontario and Quebec. While Bell has not revealed when its network was breached, Hive claims in a new entry added to its data leak blog that it encrypted BTS's systems almost a month ago on August 20th.
Bell has announced that the data accessed may include the names, addresses and phone numbers of residential and small business customers who had booked a technician's visit. All right. Well, I mean, I would consider this critical infrastructure, at least for Canada. Um, this looks like the leak page from Hive Ransomware, where they call out uh, who their victim is. They're asking for two... Oh, oh, the revenue of the company is $2 billion, it looks like. Uh, and they're saying that they have encrypted the data effective... How is this possible? So it, I guess it's encrypted on August... Today's uh, September... Oh, August 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so a month ago. They encrypted the... This doesn't make any sense. They encrypted it a month ago, and then they publicly disclosed it on the 15th. Like, that would mean Bell Canada has been down for like a month. Right. If you go to their website right now, it's it's 404. Uh, so that's not good. But I don't know. Hive's no joke, guys. Hive is a top tier ransomware threat group. They're the ones who also punched uh, Costa Rican government in the mouth after what whatever Conti like Conti became or whatever. Conti uh, hit Costa Rican government, and then Hive came in and hit him. I would say right now, if you were doing ransomware um, tabletops, ransomware modeling, ransomware threat modeling, excuse me, um, Hive would be a really good one to check out. Um, you know, a lot of these ransomware actors, except for like Sam Sam, um, which I don't even think Sam Sam exists anymore, honestly. But most ransomware threat actors are kind of operating the same playbook, either through phishing attack or buying uh, compromised creds or in Conti's uh, case, buying insider threat um, creds, but mostly they kind of operate the same playbook. So Hive's not going to be that much different. But the fact that Hive is so successful, has really high profile clients, and is just consistent, uh, would make them an excellent threat actor group to um, to simulate as part of your, um, your, uh, your, your cybersecurity program to test the efficacy of your operations and stuff like that. Remember to head on over to CISOseries.com to get a great preview. All right. Cool, 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 cool. All right. So let's do, uh, let's do this. Doink, 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 doink. That's going to do it for the news portion of today's stream. Let me turn this guy down a little bit. Here we go. I am Gerald Ozier. I'm also wicked excited, wicked pumped. Had a great 200th episode. What's got two thumbs and smiles and loves 200 episodes of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing? This guy... All right, guys, just to give you a little teaser on what's going on today, because today, this whole week's wicked busy. But later today at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, exclamation point threat gen, I think in chat will do this. Um, David Meese, IT Cyber Dave, is going to be taking on Stacy Loki. Stacy is, many of you know Stacy. She's over at Expel. She is kind of like, she's like put on her... Um, bathing suit and she's got she's kicked off her flip-flops and she's starting to wade into the ocean that is cybersecurity live streaming and i'm really really excited for her. this is um, going to be a match between her and david meese using the red versus blue uh platform david is red stacy is blue i will be shout casting it it says tuesday at 10 a.m that is incorrect it is today monday september 19th at 11 a.m it will be rebroadcast on Simply Cyber's channel, so feel free to um, come join us. I I'm excited about it. Also, uh, thanks, Angel Perez. Thanks, Paul Williams. Also, guys, you recognize uh, this this actor right here, Jack Scott, and everybody knows uh, 
Red Eye Demon Jerry over here. At 3 p.m. today, I hope you guys can come join me. At 3 p.m., I am competing uh, in the Red versus Blue tournament against Jack Scott. I will be red. I will be going after her assets, trying to bring her down. She will be defending against me. I'll be full Jerry guy. Can you see the like full name here? Jerry guy? I'll be full Jerry guy going after it. So if you can come support me, I'd genuinely appreciate it. And we'd have a good time. It's going to be ultra competitive. Uh, Esports.threatgen.com is where you can go get all the information on the players, on the bracket, um, who's playing next and everything like that. So here's here's the games right here. Gerald versus Jax and David versus Stacy for day one of the activities. I'm super excited. Can't wait. Going back to chat really quickly. There's Jackson in, in uh, chat. Hey, good to see you, Jax. Usha, good to see you guys. That's That does it for the daily cyber threat briefing. I am going to spend a few minutes, uh, but if you got to go to work, got to run, um, you know, have a wonderful day. Have a great week. Uh, I hope you got value. Thank you for 200 wonderful episodes of the daily cyber threat briefing. Elizabeth Perry, these shirts are available. Um, I can... If you could go to the Discord server, I might be able to get you uh, sorted out. I wonder if I can uh, do this. Give me a second. Can I do this? <laughs> Hold on. This is me uh, doing this in real time. Let me see if this is the right site. I'm actually ordered my wife one. I've ordered... Um... Oh, my God. I've ordered my wife one. My kids want one. So they're going to get them. It's just right now they're trying to decide what name they want on the back. They're fighting over which one gets ninja, ninja dude. All right, here we go. I'm dropping this in chat, everybody. If you want it, Elizabeth Perry, there's uh, the link. No, this isn't from Archon. This is from um, eSports Gear or something like that. Archon couldn't work with us, Kimberly. Um for various reasons it's fine uh yeah infosec kid 200 adrian thanks for the the nice wishes michael starnes 200 and that's just the daily cyber threat brief and i haven't even counted how many simply cyber lives we've done uh i can't wait for 200 more episodes and see where we go i'm always trying to upgrade the the, the show the stream the studio the channel everything one percent at least a day uh you see the overlays you see the exits you see the videos uh so who knows where we're going to be uh, maybe I won't be in the corner of a room <laughs> after 200. Uh, also, fun fact, if you guys haven't seen, I've been flipping out on social media about my um, my flipper. Can we zoom in on this? Yeah, my flipper. This is like a hacker tool for geeks, which I uh, self-identify with. This thing can pump out RFC, NFC, RFID, uh, wireless, uh, you know, 125 gigahertz. Like... I'm not a big wireless hack goob, but like this device, uh, it can control every TV in my house right now. It can also make purchases at stores that accept touch payment. Like it's it's everything. Uh, I'm trying to work on, uh, it can play Doom also. I'm trying to work on uh, getting it to open my garage door, but that's a little bit more complicated because of uh, rolling codes, but that's all right. William Ayers, yeah, it's the Flipper Zero, love it. I actually ordered the wireless dev board. That should be here pretty soon. Hey, Casually Joseph. Hey, Jim Lund. Oh, yeah. Haircut Fish, my man. 
Yeah, Dan Reardon. Yeah, it's 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 very cool. It's very cool. I will do a video on it, Kimberly. I'm actually um, doing some research on like maybe I don't know, like three or four labs. I, I'd like, I'd really like. I, in my mind, I want the video that I do for this to start off with me just like, like t turning on a TV and then opening a garage, like quick, quick little clips of me doing like stuff with the flipper zero and then do the video on how i you know did all of those things and what the flipper zero is and stuff like that um so we'll see <laughs> thanks Jax. appreciate it i just you know i know we're running late right now but this is just feel good hangout time um gotta get those push-ups in yeah i haven't played the tamagotchi part of it um honestly i've actually flashed the firmware there's a huge dev community for it. So it comes with its own firmware uh, from the Flipper Zero community. But I stumbled into one called Flipper Unleashed, which is a uh, kind of a bad boy flipper firmware uh, feed. Again, I'm not using it for illegal purposes, so I don't mind um, wading into the waters of bad boy stuff. So it is sick. All right. Love it, Chris Weaver. Yeah, Jeremy Williams. It's it's cool. It is cool. I will tell you, though, I had to wait like six months for it. So when you order it, be aware. It takes a minute. It takes a minute. Hmm. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Haircut Fish. All right, guys. I hope you guys have a wonderful day again. Thank you for 200 episodes. Thanks, Elizabeth Perry. Enjoy your day. Guys, I'm Gerald Lozier. This is the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. 200 episodes. Let's do 200 more. I'll see you guys at 11 for the Threat Gen Tournament. Be good, everybody.